What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's the Apple Bits XL. Brian Tong here, your host, doing the most for all things good and bad inside the world of Apple. This is our weekly recap, our show where we just dive deep in the stories that really matter inside the Apple world and then kind of the greater tech world in general when it applies. So thank you so much for coming out. Thanks to those who have come back week after week. I'm so grateful for that. And also, we want you to be a part of the show. So how do you participate? All you got to do is record a voice memo on your phone or your device and then send it away to applebitsshow at gmail.com. That's applebits with a Z, applebitsshow at gmail.com. Now, also, I'm going to flip things around a little bit. I'd love for you to review this podcast. Give me that five-star love. We have like over 1,100 five-star reviews. But also, if you can put a nice little review, comment, note, it helps bump it up in the algorithm so that more people can see it. So appreciate that. And the final piece of business, patreon.com slash Tong is how you support this show. It's completely independent. And thanks to you, I'm able to do this, but continue to need your support. So it starts at $2 a month, goes up to 5 10 25 the $100 platinum level. The big bonus is if you don't know them already and you keep on hearing this, well, guess what? You get exclusive content, early access to content, rewards at different levels, and then a completely ad-free version of the show, which means you will never hear this mumbo-jumbo ever again. Kind of nice. So we're going to keep on rolling. Thank you so much for your support at patreon.com slash Brian Tom. All right, let's get to the show. And this week, I mean, I I didn't realize this was going to cause such a storm, but the biggest kind of, I guess you could call it controversy or the thing that everyone is buzzing about starts with this report from Ming-Chi Kuo, who says that iPhone 12 models will not include a charger in the box or the ear pods. Those are the wired earphones, earphones, headphones. So we've talked a lot about this, and I think most people in general probably don't really pull out the AirPods headphones that much. I'm saying most. When I say most, I'm leaning towards maybe like 90% of y'all that are listening. You either have your own different types of headphones, you use wireless earbuds, wireless headphones. Um, Some of you do use the wired AirPods, trust me. When I had a headphone jack, I used them all the time. But I kind of got into the habit. Apple changed my habits and pushed me a certain way, and now I'm used to it, and I'm like, I'm fine now. So The whole thinking is that not only will they not include earpods, but the big one, no more power adapter. Now, in my video where we talked about this, I was okay. I'm actually okay with getting rid of the power adapter. I'm okay with not having one. And the reason being, and people were turned off by this, I said, look, well, actually, I didn't say it, but I I thought it, and then people jumped on me about it. How many of those five-watt power adapters do you have laying around if you're an Apple user already. You probably have a bunch. And even if you have one, it's still a five watt charging power adapter. So it doesn't charge that fast. Now for me, the reason probably why I was okay with them getting rid of it, about two or three years ago when Apple had the iPad Pro with USB-C, it was time for me to invest in USB-C chargers that would charge all my devices significantly faster than that five watt adapter. Maybe around two to three times faster than it. So I wasn't happy about it, but I kind of bit the bullet. Apple pushed me that way. I'm not saying it was the right thing. I think I might've spent, I bought two or three USB-C adapters and I believe they're around like 49, 59 bucks a pop, something stupid like that. Then you have to buy cables. So I bought like a USB-C to Apple Watch 
cable. I bought a lightning to USB-C cable. I bought a USB-C to use, or I had a USB-C to USB-C cable. I think I basically ended up spending back then around $200 just to get up to speed. But now I don't need anything else. And will they potentially break down the future? Yes. So my thinking was like, oh, you know what? I already bit the bullet. I have not looked or touched or pulled out that five watt adapter that comes in the box, which is just that little cube. I probably haven't touched that thing in at least four or five years. Now, one of my comments was, look, Apple will probably probably argue that it gets rid of e-waste. And they have a point there. You know, I think also a lot of people have older, even just standard USB to lightning cables already that they use. Uh, people, even if you're jumping over from Android, let's say you have someone who's switching and people are like, what about someone who's going to switch? Well, Android, quite honestly, has had USB-C power adapters in the box forever. And it doesn't make it right that Apple doesn't. But, you know, I think that we have become conditioned to the fact that Apple kind of pushes us in these directions. And there's a point where, again, I'm always going to say it, it's the power of the ecosystem. If Apple didn't have such a powerful ecosystem that had so many hooks on it that you couldn't let go of it, you know, if they didn't have AirDrop or AirPlay, uh, things like that, you would be like, oh, I'm going to jump over to Google easy, but you don't. The messages are blue. Come on. Is, does that really matter? Actually, I know some of you are like, yeah, it does matter. I'm, I'm not, it doesn't matter to me, but I know there's plenty of people where it matters. I wish you could still customize the color of the text bubbles instead of just have to have blue. So a new report is that Apple will be releasing a new 20-watt power adapter, which looks like their current 18-watt power adapter that people had to buy separately. So this would give you a little more juice. That would be the power adapter, presumably, that someone would have to buy if they needed a power adapter for their new phone. So I'm really curious where you stand on this because there's people that were like, Brian, you're right. A lot of people were really mad. They're like, oh, stop drinking the Kool-Aid. Oh, apples, uh, apple lemming, apple sheep, eye sheep. And maybe they have a point, but I think it's because if you're committed to the ecosystem, you just, you do what it takes to stay in the ecosystem. Sheep or not sheep. Now, is it right that they completely take out a power adapter? Probably not. But again, how many of you really, really, really need one? When people start arguing, oh, that's anti-consumer, I can't, they have to put a power adapter in it. My first question is, when was the last time you used that cube adapter? And I guarantee you, they're probably, most of them are probably gonna say, oh, I don't, because I already have one. So you can be mad about it, but if it doesn't affect you, then don't be mad, don't, something like this is not worth being mad about. Now, Apple even had recently surveyed iPhone users what do they actually do with their old power adapters? This is just a recent report that Apple had sent out surveys to previous buyers of the iPhone 7 Plus. And here's what the survey asks. It says, what did you do with the USB power adapter that came in the box with your iPhone 7 Plus that you replaced? The USB power adapter is used for charging from a wall outlet and you connect the adapter to an iPhone with a separate charging cable. Select all that apply. Here's the options. Gave it to a family member or friend recycled it, lost or misplaced it, no longer working or not working well, still using it at home, still using it outside of my home, at work, school, or other. So they clearly, they're even thinking about this, 
right? They don't they don't think that people are using it. They want to pull their user base to be like, okay, how many people really do use this? And it tells you that Apple is thinking clearly. They're thinking of actually getting rid of it. Now, here's the argument that's going to make people go insane. Later on, after the video that I published, a new report from Leaker, I guess it's more of a leak, um, from Love to Dream. Now, this person, we don't know if it's a male or female, but he or she has typically put out some pretty darn accurate leaks and posted in the middle of this week recent rumors kind of to support that, that the iPhone 12 won't have earpods or a charger in the box. Instead. You'll love this. Love to Dream claims that the future iPhone packaging will be thinner and exquisite with a thinner box. A thinner box. Remember, we thought the era of Johnny Ive had left us where they would do anything to make anything as thin as possible. The iPhone 11 Pro bucked that trend and said, you know what? We don't mind making it a little thicker and giving you freaking ridiculous battery life, the best battery life we've ever seen in an iPhone, which made it a success, which made it one of my favorite iPhones of all time, quite honestly, the camera and the battery life. All of a sudden, it's like, I'm using my phone in ways I haven't before. Battery life makes a difference. This leaker is saying one of the motivations, it's not about price, but that Apple will have an exquisite thinner box. Yeah, because they don't have a charger and earbuds in it. Oh my God, if, that, if that's not going to make the people that are demanding that a power adapter comes in the box mad, if they aren't mad about that hearing this, oh, they, sh- they should start just like trotting over to Apple headquarters with pitchforks already. That is the stupidest thing I've heard as a reason. And maybe it's not the reason they make the box thinner. It just so happens that, oh, we don't have this stuff. We'll just make the box thinner. Fine. You make your point. Now, the other part of this is that by getting rid of the charger, a power adapter, and the earbuds, earpods, the costs, it would enable enable Apple to kind of, their costs would be reduced. But then on the flip side, all the iPhone 12s are pretty much expected to bring 5G. And so those component prices will increase the overall price of the iPhone with all these new components. So part of this might be a give or take. Now, I think there's a lot of people that would probably be fine with no power adapter, just just a charging cable and the phone. And they would be, if the phone was the same exact price, the highest price of the same exact price as it is now, they'd be happy with it. Okay, what if all of a sudden the iPhone is like $50 to $100 more because they include the power adapter and the earbuds? Would you Would you want that? Hell no. So look, I think whether it's a cost thing or not, whether it's a thin box thing or not, I think ultimately I definitely don't need ear pods, but I, I, I could, I would still vouch for people that need a power adapter, but I don't need a power adapter either. I want a thinner box, (laughs) y'all. Give me the iPhone air box, not, not the actual iPhone air, but it's, it's the iPhone air. But actually, the iPhone box air that's that's that is what we need here. It is so cool and so simple. All right, other iPhone news um that are related to the actual product. 
Another report from Ming-Chi Kuo says that Largon is expected to ship high-end camera lenses for the upcoming iPhone 12 from mid-July and on. Now, we have all heard about new sensors potentially in the iPhones, in the iPhone 12s. You know, there was this huge thinking that, oh, they were going to go with this massive 64 megapixel camera, but according to reports on the factory side, they were not able to fine-tune the image quality that they wanted from those camera components. And they presumably will be going back to the, uh, I believe it's the 12 megapixel camera lenses. Now, in another report, based on code found in iOS 14 and Max Weinbach digging into it, iPhone 12 Pro models potentially with the help of this camera lens or with the help of the new A-series processor could be capable of shooting 4K video at 120 frames per second and 240 frames per second. That would give you that ultra slow-mo, something that Samsung has touted for quite a long time. These are just speculation based on digging through the code um, of iOS 14, the developer build. That could happen. That'd be nice. I think that the more video options, the better. Quite honestly, if you saw, I recently did a couple. I have a new set that I put up, put together for like unboxings and first looks and things like that. And to be honest with you, the overhead camera that I'm using at the moment, (laughs) believe it or not, you can kind of tell. I mean, eagle eyes will be able to tell. I'm using my iPhone 12. I mean, sorry, my iPhone. Oh, well, I'm using my iPhone 11 Pro as the overhead camera for my unboxing set at the moment. Now, I'm pushing into the image a little bit, so it does get a, a just a subtle degradation. Sorry, it's not super crispy, but most people don't even bother them. I'm using two DSLRs for the main camera and then a secondary kind of side angle close-up of the products in my hands, but the overhead right now is using my iPhone 11 Pro. It's that good. So giving us some more modes like that, super cool. Also, a big rumor with the iPhone 12 has been going back and forth and being juggled around is, will it get a 120 hertz refresh rate? That buttery smooth, smooth as butter refresh rate that I love. I mean, it's been on, quite honestly, phones for a while. The Razer phone had it. Um, sorry, the next bit, uh, was it the next bit? No, the, the Robin phone had it, and then they were acquired by Razer. They've had those... 120 hertz displays have actually been out for probably at least three years or so. Anyways, according to Ross Young, who has previously reported about the display components that will be used in this new iPhone, there will be no 120 hertz ProMotion display coming to the iPhone 12 Pro. He said that it w- Apple would not implement ProMotion until it adopted a this specific type of display technology, low-power LTPO display. They have not. And so because of that, the move is not expected to be made until 2021. And it's kind of a bummer for certain quote-unquote power users who just want to have the buttery smoothest, but, you know, battery life can be affected a little bit by it as well. It's not going to stop someone from buying a phone or not. That's the thing, right? That is a feature that the high-end tech elite care about, but the general audience that the iPhone is appealing to doesn't really care. Do you think my mama... You think like even half of you, like I'm fine. The, all the benefits that the iPhone gives me does not require me to get 120 hertz dis- refresh rate display. And you're probably right. So that's kind of the latest updates around the iPhone and iPhone 12. Again, I would love to hear what you think, your thoughts and opinions on this whole debate of power adapter and ear pods. 
Do should they absolutely keep both? Should they absolutely get rid of both or maybe keep one and get rid of the other? I want to know. If you can, call on the show, record that voice memo, try to keep it around a minute really because I want to use a bunch of them. But yeah, get right to it. Send it along applebitsshow at gmail.com. That's applebits with a Z. All right. Let's hop over to a little quick iPod, uh, sorry, iPad news. Ming-Chi Kuo dropping more bombs right now, Quo bombs. He's, Apple is planning to launch two iPads within the next roughly year. One of them will be a new 10.8-inch iPad later this year. And then beyond that, a rumored 8.5-inch iPad mini in 2021. Now, here's the thing. The new 10.8-inch iPad, that would be a brand new screen size that we've never seen on an iPad. Currently, there's an existing 10.2-inch iPad and a 10.5-inch iPad Air. We don't know which one this slightly larger model will replace. I'm going to, my hunch, hmm, actually, I don't want to say, I don't know. My hunch would be the regular iPad, but I could be wrong. Anyways, That is in the works, and that is expected to be coming by the end of this year. Then we have the 8.5-inch iPad mini replacement sometime in mid-2021. And I believe, someone can correct me, I believe the current iPad mini is like a 7.9-inch display, somewhere around there. So that's actually a pretty significant jump for that form factor. And I'm really curious if that's the case, would it adopt kind of the iPad Pro style with that thinner bezel it'd be pretty nice on a mini on a mini product like that also sticking with the macs or sticking to the macs developers begin receiving their mac minis with the a12z chip to prepare their apps for the apple silicon Macs. something that i am super excited for purely just let's just talk about energy savings and performance because of how they run cooler i those two factors alone is going to change the game if you could get easily a day running on at least if you're doing web surfing emailing and uh, word processing and you can easily get through a day 20 hours 24 hours on a let's say a macbook air or a 13 inch macbook pro that's a little bonkers guys i mean you'll feel the way that i felt about my iphone 11 pro is then how you and I would feel about our MacBook Pros or MacBooks if it got to that level. Anyways, developers are now receiving them this week. And the biggest thing, though, is that benchmarks have surfaced. Now, here's the thing about it. Under the terms and conditions and agreements as a developer, you're technically not, you're forbidden to run any benchmarks on these developer kits. But guess what? People, multiple people did, and the results have been surfacing on Geekbench's website. So Geekbench has the results of the the developer kit, um, Mac Mini. Now, this is still using, right, the A12Z processor, but they came in with the single-core performance scores and multi-core scores. So I'll read out the current, or sorry, I'll read out the Mac Mini developer kit version, what it's performing at, and then the current iPad Pro that is using the same exact chip. So single core score for Mac Mini Developer Kit, 811. Single core score for current iPad Pro, 1,118. Current multi-core score for the Developer Kit Mac Mini, 2,781. 
Current multi-core score for the iPad Pro, 4,625. And so people are like, wait, what's going on? Okay, quite honestly, people want to hear the numbers. Why? Why is the developer kit almost uh, half as fast as the iPad Pro when it comes to multi-core score? Okay, well, here's the thing. Apple's not delivering a fully, I guess, unleashed A12Z for developers. The developer kit, the whole purpose of the developer transition kit Mac mini is to allow people to get their software up to speed. It's not about bringing them the fastest Mac mini possible with the A12Z. So what reports have shown is that, in fact, they've uh, slightly underclocked the Mac mini to 2.4 gigahertz versus the 2.5 gigahertz in the latest iPad Pro models. In addition to that, based on the results here, the A12Z is only using four performance cores and not its four efficiency cores. So there you go. That's why if you've read that story and you're like, oh my gosh, the developer kit is not that fast. It's, it's, not, it's not about raw speed for that. That's just not, trying to, it's not what it's trying to do. More Mac news. We're, we're kind of waiting anxiously for a new iMac. There have been reports about that all new redesigned iMac that takes design cues from the iPad Pro and the iPhone 11, which I would absolutely love. Well, an unreleased iMac with a 10-core Comet Lake S chip from Intel and a Radeon Pro 5300 GPU that has not appeared or surfaced in any Macs before appeared on Geekbench. And everyone is pointing out to this is more than likely a new iMac that made it on a Geekbench. Now, the thing is that it's using an Intel chip. So this is not an A-series machine. And remember, Apple and Intel both said they're committed to working together for at least the next couple of years. So There'll be multiple machines coming out with Intel chips. Don't be surprised by that. It, when I look at these results, okay, new video card, Intel chip, doesn't have anything that's going to blow you away right now. Um, I'm, I'm thinking that this, is gonna, this might stay in the same form factor. I'm thinking. Now, if they really want to drop a bomb us, they release a A-series iMac before the end of the year, if they can pull that off. My biggest, my hunch is probably going to be like the MacBook, but that's, a, that's, that's how you surprise us and you go, oh my gosh. So anyways, the news that we can take away from that is there is an iMac that is being tested that will pro- probably be ready to roll up by the end of the year. But we, the biggest question is, will it have the new design or the current design? I hope it has the new design, but right now, if I had to put my bets on it, I'm going to say current design. I know, really sad. All right, let's take a breather to just let you know the sponsors of the show are you. That's right, patreon.com slash Tong, the way to support all of my independent work, specifically this podcast and all the videos and all the other content that I bring it to you. I'm not going to dwell on this too long. Look, you can sponsor the show $2 a month if it's worth a cup of coffee and all the value I bring you. $5 a month, $10, $25, $100 level. But again, all the great benefits, early access to content, exclusive content, rewards at different levels, and a completely ad-free version of the show so you don't have to hear any of this. I typically talk longer, but I'm not going to. Just so you feel like, oh, okay, maybe I don't want to listen to ads and maybe I do want to support this guy. Anyways, I'm so grateful for all of you that have supported me, have continued to support me. Um, it's You are allowing me to do this and it's amazing and I can only be humbled and grateful and I'm gonna keep on working my butt off for you guys, all right? And gals. 
All right, let's keep on rolling through here. We're going to transition over a little bit of Apple Watch news. Now, it's been really revealed that the sleep tracking in the Apple Watch is not as impressive as maybe we thought or had hoped it would be. So Apple's VP of technology, Kevin Lynch, he's kind of the face of the Apple Watch at all the keynotes. He decided to answer some questions from the press that were kind of pressing him on the Apple Watch. Now, people, you know, there's the data from what beta testers are saying is that, um, you know, the only data that we're basically getting is the hours that we slept. You know, there's a nice little chart, but it's not showing us if we're light sleeping, if we're heavy sleeping, if we're in REM sleep, some of those really finite details that Fitbit gives you. And so Lynch said that basically, look, they're trying to approach this from a mainstream perspective. Here's his quote. Uh, you can't really coach yourself to have more or less REM stages. We felt that wasn't the best way that Apple could add value here on sleep. We focused on the transition to the bed, right? This The whole real thing that they showcase is, oh, here's an alert. It's time to settle down. Oh, we're going to change the color temperature of your screen. Oh, uh, you want to do some yoga to relax or breathing exercises. Oh, let's let's get you ready for bed. It's basically like being my mom when I was a kid. Honey, um, here's some warm milk. It's time to go to sleep. I'm a grown-ass man, Apple. I don't need that. Sometimes I'm a grown-ass grown ass man. Some, sometimes. But Apple's saying, hey, we focused on the transition to the bed, which we think is way more actionable and will result in people getting a better night's sleep, which then has secondary effects of perhaps your REM stages or your REM stages sorting themselves. Um, in any of these adventures we go on when building things, we ask here what will make the most difference for people that from a mainstream perspective will be easy, helpful, and empowering. Key words there, everybody. Mainstream perspective. And I get it. I think that we're smarter than that. I think that we're smarter than needing the Apple Watch or iPhone to tell us to drink our warm milk and put our heads down in our pillow. I think we're grown adults. Even younger people are smarter. You can have both. You can do both. You can coach someone and be actionable to go to sleep. And you can deliver that data because it's interesting to see. But nah, we're gonna get we're gonna get bars that just show us how many hours we slept. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Like everyone was really looking forward to this uh sleep tool or sleep tracking. And this is what it brings us. Now, my only hunch is that maybe the only reason why they're doing this is because maybe they don't have the proper hardware to actually give you that information, right? Maybe all this testing that they did, they just, they don't got it. It's not in the current Apple Watch. I don't even know if it's gonna be in the new one, the Series 6, but I would say out of the gates, that's disappointing. Not disappointing and maybe in something that you would say, damn, it's about time. Safari and macOS, big sir! will work with 4K HDR and Dolby Vision content from Netflix on newer Macs. I am more than thrilled about this. Now, at the same time, 4K HDR, Dolby Vision, yeah, it'll the contrast and the colors will pop more on a screen, but it is still a smaller screen. But I think it's kind of silly to think that this whole time it's just been 1080p. So this was found in the code of macOS 
Big Sur. I can't yell it all the time. Some people love it. Some people hate it. So I think if I give you like 50-50, the people that hate it will be happy. The people that love it will be happy. Everyone gets to have their cake and eat it too. So anyways, that's really cool. Coming to uh, Mac OS Big Sur. It requires a Mac introduced in 2018 or later. So older Macs will still be continued to be limited to 1080p resolution. But this is going to be, again, in Safari 14 on Mac OS. Big Sur! I love that. Also, we're talking about Dolby Atmos, the Apple TV app. I remember we had a caller or gentleman say, hey, it doesn't work on my LG TV. Well, guess what? That's going to change. Nine to five Mac reports, a software update to the Apple TV app arrived this week on select LG smart TVs. Not all, but I'm going to guess the select TVs that have the Apple TV app, most of them probably within the past two years. Dolby Atmos is now enabled, so you get that real immersive, spatial um, sound, you know, where you can track, basically you can almost like track items flying through there. It, it's huge. It is huge. You know, I've been on the Dolby Atmos, Dolby Vision train forever, um, and I still am. I'm a stand for all that. I love that stuff. So it's really exciting that you can now get that, and it's just built in to the actual app, and then it processes it with the app and the hardware that you have. So at least for sure, LG 2020 models and select 2019 models are the ones that will have support for this, as well as um, Apple TV Plus subscription content will be accessible as well. One thing that is going away from Apple, maybe it's not a surprise. You guys are all familiar with Apple News, right? Apple News Plus and all that. Well, forget about News Plus. Let's talk about Apple News. The New York Times announced this week that they're pulling out of the Apple News service as it just doesn't align with the strategy of building direct relationships with paying readers. Now, there's always a concern here out of the gates. I think the New York Times went into it with good faith saying, hey, you know what? We'll make some of our articles available on Apple News in the hopes that people will sign up to our service, whereas they basically fare off better without Apple taking any cut and people going directly to the New York Times. I think they have somewhere around 6 million direct subscribers. They're making more revenue for people going to their site than doing it through Apple News. And quite honestly, a lot of reports said there really wasn't much activity specifically with Apple News Plus. Um... And so they're not making much revenue off of that anyway. So New York Times is going to say adios, amigos. You know what? I normally don't talk about the Apple Car, but I think they're kind of doing some fascinating things right now. There's a lot of little activities going on around the Apple Card. Yes, it is quite honestly only worth it to buy Apple products with it to get that 3% cash back. Sometimes, I think last holiday season, they did like 6% for like the month of December. Well, the Apple Card has deferred their payment program and extended it once again through July. So because of COVID-19 and bills being extremely tight for a lot of people out there, you can basically um, have your outstanding balance deferred. It will still need to be paid off eventually, but you can go into basically on the Apple Card in your uh, Apple wallet. There's a black circle with three dots kind of over in the top area, tap on it, and then it'll give you the options and say, I want to enroll in the customer assistance program. So that's really cool. I think this has been, this is the third month now that they've been doing that. That is, that's pretty huge. And 
I appreciate that. I mean, there's a lot of people, look, we're not all buying devices constantly right now. Well, some of y'all, y'all crazy ones are, but not all of us. Also, a new Apple Card promo offers new users $50 in daily cash for your first Apple service purchase. So what this means, let's say you buy a movie on or rent a movie on the Apple TV app or you subscribe to Apple Arcade or Apple Music. Maybe you make a App Store purchase for like a 99 cent app. Yeah, you'll get $50 cash back. Just kind of a nice little, a nice little perk. And then I could have used this, but I ended up just waiting it out. Apple has launched a new program called the Path to Apple Card program. This helps declined applicants get approved. Now, I remember I told you the story when it first came out, I was getting declined constantly. And I only had like 1% uh, unpaid debt based on my credit card limits. 1% and they still wouldn't accept me and I have built up a great credit score. I think it was like just under 800 or at 800. Well, now they're offering a path to Apple Card plan where they'll give you basically um, suggestions of what to do to give them, open up basically the doors for them to get an Apple Card. So let's say you got to pay off a personal loan debt. It's going to basically point it out over those four months what you need to do to get an Apple Card. Again, it's only makes sense if you buy Apple products and you want a white stainless steel Apple Card. Those are literally the two reasons to do this. I mean, it is nice to have all your Apple services paid off by and then you get a little 3% kicker. It's not much, but in these times, it's better than nothing. Plus also, it is working in more places over time, more services. Uh, You're getting 3% daily cash with the Apple Card now at over 11,500 Exxon and mobile gas stations across the US. Congratulations. Yeah, other brands that are offering 3% daily cash with the Apple Card now include Apple, Nike, T-Mobile, Uber, Uber Eats, Dwayne Reed, and Walgreens. So it's expanding a little bit. Not too shabby, not too shabby. The one place though you won't be able to use these things at is Apple. I shouldn't laugh. I mean, sometimes it's just overwhelming. So take that laugh back. Cancel culture, please. Don't cancel me just because I kind of laughed. Anyways, Apple is closing its stores, reclosing the stores after reopening the stores in Southern California, Alabama, Georgia, Idaho, Louisiana, Texas, Utah, and more after COVID cases have spiked again. I think we had our largest number of cases just a day ago, somewhere over 54,000, because there's a clear blueprint of how to actually successfully deal with this virus without any um, vaccine yet. There's a way to get back to a more normal sense of living if everyone wears masks. And I'm not being political because a mask is not political. But, you know, I said it, we are a selfish country. And if we weren't, we'd be okay. There is no mandate from the national government to wear a mask. Certain leaders are not even wearing masks. And so some people are like, I don't need to wear a mask. We, I live in LA County where they're very strict about it. Me and my lady, we went to uh, Orange County three weekends ago to the beach. We brought our masks. Now, the beach is open air, so that makes sense. But all the food stands, all the walkways, I would say 98% of people, 99% of people weren't even wearing masks. And I was like, damn, we're screwed. And you can see it. You can see it happening everywhere. And for the record, uh, places where there were major protests 
where people were wearing masks, those were not the places that saw the big, 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 big spikes. So something to chew on. Hey, uh, California, everywhere you could think of, Northern California, most of them in Southern California closed. Alabama's the summit. Georgia, Idaho, Louisiana, Nevada, Oklahoma, Florida, Mississippi, Texas, Utah. I'm looking at about 30 stores here that are getting shut down again. So, hey, it's the right thing to do, honestly. All right, everybody. A lot of things that we talked about here, but you know what? It's always important to have you all call in and really hear what's on your mind. So we got voicemails. We're going to get to them again. Call in with the show. Applebitsshow at gmail.com. Leave your name, where you're from, your question, comments, criticisms. You could correct me all you want to. I'm not afraid of that. I'm not perfect. I'm really not. All right, let's start off with Christian here, everybody. What's going on, Brian? This is Christian. I am a mobile full-stack developer, and I wanted to make an opinion on something here on your podcast. You guys say that the Android widgets are not that great, that they take more space than the iOS widgets. The reason why is because Android's development kit, so Android Studio, is terrible in comparison to Apple's development environment, Xcode. Android Studio feels like you're trying to put multiple pieces to a puzzle that don't belong together versus iOS and the Apple ecosystem with Xcode, it feels like a perfect puzzle that every single piece fits together in unison. That is why Android widgets are terrible and some Android UI and why developers don't make effort to create widgets for Android because the SDK developer environments aren't that polished on Android. Google needs to do much, much more work to get to the level that Apple is with Swift and Xcode. Uh, did did he just drop the mic there? Christian's just like mic drop. If I had a mic drop sound effect, I might I might need to get one for the voicemails. Yeah, I think you make great points there. Um, it's just a little sloppier. It's not as clean. Yes, Apple widgets are done better, but I think the biggest thing is as it evolves maybe be able to do more interaction with the widgets like even swipe on a widget to see panels of information that takes it to another level but uh extremely happy with the widgets in ios 14 extremely also a side note one of the most stable betas that we've seen from apple ever which is probably a good sign going into the actual public beta that is expected sometime in july for people to get on and try it out if they want again i don't recommend it on your primary phone i just never will in case something stupid happens even though stupid stuff happens when you have it on your regular phone for the regular release but we'll be looking forward to that public beta and then the official release sometime probably in september october uh, around the iphone release all right next up leo what you want to talk about my man hi brian this is leo from barranquilla in colombia this is the hometown of shakira and sofia vergara um, I was looking for the Apple event and I realized that they uh, are using for demo the new computer that is going to have the Apple Silicon, the Mini Mac. So they are using the A12 chip, I think. And um, I don't really think that when they come up with a new system with the Apple Silicon, they are going to use a two-year-old um processor because then they just will stick with intel what do you think about it i'm a long time listener 
since the, you work with the sea guys and I'm really hoping that you come back with a lot of, of your uh, music videos uh, keep, keep up with the good work <laughs> okay that wasn't a mic drop I think he just like his his phone ran out of battery Leo I first of all I love you gotta you know what the Colombian people love to represent Shakira Sofia Vergara I love it I'm gonna you know whenever I say Apple computers or Apple based in Cupertino it's also my hometown I grew up in Cupertino um Sunnyvale and then Cupertino so I'm just you know be proud of where you're from no I'm not gonna talk about it all the time a uh, Leo absolutely they will not release the first um Mac that has their new Apple Silicon with an A12Z. I I just also based on the timetables they just wouldn't and they got to come out strong. I mean even Craig Federighi did an interview that you guys and gals can check out with uh, John Gruber from Daring Fireball. It's, it was like a video interview and he's and he did this humble brag while flexing at the same time. He basically said it was amazing what our silicon team did with the A12Z chip and putting in a Mac without even trying, <laughs> right? So they aren't even making a dedicated optimized Mac chip. They were adapting that iPad chip to run on a Mac. And he's like, you know, they didn't, they weren't at the point where they were building a brand new chip. They're like, oh, you got the A12Z? Oh, it's powerful. Yeah, let's, let's just tweak a few things so it runs on this Mac for the developer kit. Yeah, it's good. He's, he said, he literally said, yeah, it's amazing what we can do without even trying. <laughs> With a straight face. Oh, he was flexing so hard. So to answer your question, Leo, no. I I think that we will, it'll be a new A-series chip. And also, this Intel relationship still has a long ways to go. I don't think that we should sleep on Intel. And just because it has an Intel does not mean that the machine is not right for you. It's just going to come down to where you are in the life cycle of your computer as well. All right, next up, we got Jack. What's up, Brian? This is Jack from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Longtime viewer of the show. Love what you're doing. My question is about Apple Silicon and the support for the older computers. You know, Tim Cook laid out this plan of they're even releasing new Intel computers in the pipeline, and they're planning on supporting them for quite some time. But I'm specifically wondering about people who bought a Mac Pro. You know, these people shelled out a ton of money for a workstation desktop that they're planning on upgrading and using for quite some time. Do you think Apple is going to release some type of replacement for the Intel chip for Apple Silicon so they can have longer support on those more expensive computers? Or do you think they're going to have to buy a new Mac Pro earlier than they anticipated? Mm. Was that another mic drop? Anyways, Jack, uh, thanks for calling in, my man. Thanks for listening. This is this is an interesting question because no matter what, every transition, people kind of get lost in the mix and the timing crapped on. I think the the biggest thing is that some people who invest in this Mac Pro, the, the performance on that machine is a beast no matter what. Okay, so we're not talking about Back in the day when you bought a Mac Pro, your Mac Pro was outdated when the next model came out, okay? This Mac Pro has so much power that a mere mortal, even someone who's just editing 4K video like myself, it's more powerful. It's so much more powerful than I even need. And so from that standpoint, it has so much legroom to grow, even if they got one today. And really, they just max out the RAM that machine, because it's all presumably you're going to be running Final Cut Pro on it, even if you're running Adobe Premiere and stuff, that stuff is still going to work the same. 
you're not going to really have to worry about much. So even let's say two, three years from now, yeah, I think that machine is still going to be just fine. Will it maybe be a little slower than an A-series uh, machine by then? Mac Pro, maybe. But again, we don't know exactly what, we don't know what they can deliver. I think right out of the gates, the biggest advantage of the A-series chip is not only great performance, but it's keeping the machine cooler and longer battery life for mobile devices. I think that's the biggest thing, right? It's it's going to have the power, but that's where you're going to see the most. Now, if you, let's say, we don't know this, but let's say you put a bunch of new A-series processors in a tower. Well, the battery life thing, that doesn't matter. So now we're just talking about raw speed. Even if it outperforms the, the Intel-based Macs, those Intel Macs are still going to be good for quite some time. I think it had even it was even handling like I can't remember how many, but there was there's some demos out there that was running something like six or eight streams of ProRes video, Apple 4K ProRes video without any stutter and lag at one time. So even if the A series is faster, the current Intel Mac Pros are still going to be more than fast enough. But yeah, you know, it, it always sucks when you hear a new hardware is coming. But again, by the time they even update those Mac Pros, that's going to be one of the last machines they update. It'll be around two years or so. So I think if someone has it, that's still a machine that's good for at least five years. Seriously. All right. Next up, we've got Ryan. Hey, Brian. This is Ryan from Virginia. I just had a quick uh, question for you. Wondered if you had some additional insight on this, but uh, I was really excited when they announced that they were moving to Apple Silicon. I think there's a lot of promise in what they can do with battery life, but also performance. So I'm really excited to see what what, uh, type of hardware they come up for that. The only question I have though is what's gonna happen to boot camp and being able to dual boot into Windows? I know that moving to Intel, Apple initially uh, gave that option to be able to use Windows because it worked with that architecture. But what does that mean going to these new ARM processors? Let me know what you think. Uh, Maybe I missed it in the keynote or maybe you have some additional insight. Let me know your thoughts and uh, thank you for everything you do. What's up, Brian? Um, So unfortunately, I have sad news to bring to you all. Uh, Boot Camp will not work on any Apple Silicon-based Macs. It's officially not going to work. Uh, Apple didn't announce it at the keynote because they tend to like to keep things kind of more on the positive side and they don't want to reveal kind of the the devil that can be in the details. So this isn't actually really a surprise because you just wouldn't expect it to, (laughs) out of the box, just run a totally different architecture. So Bootcamp will not run on the uh, A-Series processors. Now, virtualization through Parallels and, um, oh man, why can't I remember the other one off the top of my head? Anyways, someone will remind me. Um, virtualization, where you can run a Windows environment within a Mac app, that, that is, according, oh, according to uh, Parallels, they, have, they are working on it. They even showed it off at um, one of the workshops at, WWDC online. So they are working on a compatible version to run software emulation, but it won't be like a quote unquote native Windows bootcamp type of load up. It'll be within a virtual virtualization product. So that will at least exist from that standpoint. But bootcamp, as we know, will be dead. The, the interesting thing though is right, Apple and Intel, they're still going to be working together for at least two years. They they both have made that clear. 
Um, there might, I'm not saying that we're they're going to be long around longer than that, but the reality is that boot camp will still be around for at least two years plus from this from actually from the standpoint of once they release the new Macs, it'll still be around. Who knows? Maybe Apple offers an Intel Mac alongside of their lineup still, and I don't know. I'm not saying they would; it wouldn't make sense, but you never know. I've seen crazier things, like may you know Tim Cook. We have like five or six iPhone models available now. So because of that change in philosophy, it wouldn't surprise me if maybe Apple keeps an Intel Mac or two around just because. Not for the long term, but maybe longer than two years. It could happen. So ultimately, boot camp is dead. Here's Chris. Hey, Brian. Chris from the Bay Area here. Got a chance to listen to most of your recent episode and the whole Apple keynote. Just some quick thoughts. I'm excited for Scribble on iPad. I don't know how long I'm going to be using that beyond a few weeks when it comes out, but we'll just have to see. <laughs> I think the improvements with maps for cycling was a big deal. I bike a lot, and this will be very helpful for me personally. I'm curious for Apple Watches if they're going to come out with a new one to better accommodate the sleep tracking features. I know they don't announce these types of events, but they might in the fall. So we'll just have to wait and see. Also, full screen Siri is finally gone. It's a wonderful thing. Can't wait to really take advantage of that. All right. Love the show. Peace. All right. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, I think there's a lot of great developments. And I believe you're the one that called during my live stream saying they need to, like, I don't want Siri to take up my whole screen. I feel like you were. If I'm wrong, I'm sorry. But hey, we did get that for you, which is really cool. All right. Final call coming to us from Matt. Hey, this is Matt coming at you from the uh, beautiful shore Lake Minnetonka, just west of Minneapolis. On my final bike ride with my iPhone 6S, bought it when it was the latest and greatest. It's been through two battery changes and a whole lot of life changes with me. Um, I honestly was not even considering upgrading it, but combination of factors, um, I couldn't say no. For one, my uh, carrier is throwing a free line at me, so this 6S is actually being handed down to my tween daughter. And uh, I just got notification that my iPhone SE is sitting on my doorstep. Um, it's definitely budget-friendly. It's got the latest processor, so it's going to last me, I, I, I'm going to say, five years. I, I would even say six. Um also can't argue that Apple uh, threw their Apple card at me and gave me 17 bucks back right away with their cash back, and I'm getting zero interest. So really, Apple's doing everything they can to make sure that uh, people like me on a tight budget, we can still get their products and still stay in their ecosystem. So kudos to Apple. I'm going to ride home, get my SE, unbox that bad boy, and uh, you keep doing what you're doing. Love the show. You're awesome. You're awesome. You're awesome. <laughs> yeah, anyone see the uh, Keanu Reeves cyberpunk stage appearance? You're awesome. Um, thanks so much for that call. You know, I I love how you were just like on a bike ride and kind of at peace, really happy. You just sound like really happy. I really like. I, you know, sometimes when I, I you can hear someone's disposition in a call and it makes you feel good and then you hear birds chirping in the end and then they end it with you're awesome that just made my day right there matt so thanks for that um i think the point that your call is that i've been kind of saying for a while and it's really the exact example i was talking about the iphone se 2020 version 
$3.99. It's such an underrated move and a move I never thought we would see. And it is exactly for people with families, people who still want that form factor. You're getting an A13 chip in that damn bad boy. That thing is going to last for a long time. $3.99. Any phone that comes out at $3.99 will be compared to the iPhone SE. And it might be able to do a few things better, but I'm going to imagine the iPhone SE's camera is probably going to be better. The chip is going to be better. And the ecosystem advantages most likely will be better. So that's, if you're just really talking about the form factor, um, I don't know, those, those are three key things that are going to, that, that will make you happy if you're, if you're thumbs up on all of them. It's a good apple, baby. It's a good one. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for this week's show. Thanks so much for hanging out. Um, just so many little things going on. I love after WWDC because there's always kind of a trickle of developments and things that happen in the weeks after it. But I really appreciate you coming out here, supporting the show. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is the way to do it. And I got to thank my Platinum Apples at the $100 level. Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Frater, Jarrett Lewis, Eric Cohen, Thank you so much, and thank you to all of you who continue to support the show. And if you haven't already and you feel like that little nudge, and I know times are crazy right now, oh, man, I would greatly appreciate it as well. And I'm just going to keep on working my butt off for you all. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for this week. Take care, everybody. We'll be back same bat time-ish, same bat channel. It's the Apple Bits XL, baby. Peace. Peace.